name is Kelvin. I think most of you know me, so it's all right. Um, I heard uh, I heard Maurice had like pictures of us when, when like me when I was younger up there somewhere. But I, I have pictures of some of you when you were younger, so I'm gonna turn that on you guys one day. <laughs> um, um, while uh, my brother here is uh, putting up um, a presentation, uh, he's gonna put up a, um, a, a, some slides. But before that. I thought we can read a, a verse to begin, and then um, we can start this workshop. Can we turn to uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 12? Deuteronomy, chapter 12, and we will read one verse, verse 11. Then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And then just, and I'll just note the key phrase that we want to focus on, where the Lord, there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Or in other translations, where, where he shall make his name dwell, where he shall put his name. So, um, why don't we open with a word of prayer. Lord, how we thank you so much um, for this uh, opportunity that we can gather this weekend. Lord, uh, to be reminded of how uh, you loved us so, that you even chose us to be ones that can be filled with your abundant life. Lord, we thank you for that privilege. Lord, we thank you that even in this weekend we can come and to experience and know you even more fully, to desire more uh, and and to really see more of you. Lord, our desire is that we would um, uh, even have our eyes opened even today, um, not even now. So, all right. So I thought about. All right. So I have to think about. Okay. In terms of 
a person, a person that I know whose name is worldwide famous, right? We, I think everybody knows who Michael Jordan is. And you guys, of course, know who Michael Jordan is. I was talking to the young people, and they're like, some of the younger ones have never even seen Michael Jordan play. They all you know LeBron James or whoever. But nevertheless, they still heard the name Michael Jordan. I, I, you know, it's, it's all, yeah, so, so his name is Worldwide Famous, right? So everyone recognizes the logo on the right. That's the Jumpman logo for Air Jordan. Even our brother mentioned it this morning. Air Jordan. Every kid wants one of the pair of Air Jordans when I was a kid. And that was the logo. Everyone recognizes that logo because that, that, that was still what Michael Jordan donkey, right? So, no one, uh, so obviously you probably have never seen this logo on the left. Okay? And I don't, my Chinese is terrible. So, anybody Chinese can read the characters in the bottom? Okay. Xiao Dan, yeah. But that's those two first characters. Do you guys know what that stands for? You should, you're, you're nodding, so you must know. Jordan? Well, yes, actually, that's a transliteration of Jordan in Chinese. So in China, that's, that would be the, the, the way people would say Michael Jordan, Jordan's name. Um, and, and so what happened was that it turns out that in China, a company, uh, some guys made a company and decided to call their name, company name after using those two characters, right? Branding their branding their sportswear with that logo you saw that looked very similar to the Jumpman logo, and and then selling selling sportswear, right? So of course Michael Jordan found out, and he's like, wait, wait a minute, I I, I didn't authorize this. You're using my name to sell, you know, your your stuff, and so so Michael Jordan obviously goes and sues sues his company, right? So then 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 so. So then afterwards, <laughs> countersued Michael Jordan. So this was, this has been an on, on, ongoing legal battle since 2012. And then the the, um, the high court in China ruled <laughs> that Michael Jordan now has right to his name and those Chinese characters now like his name. But in China, copyright laws are very complicated. And and the thing is, he doesn't actually have a copyright over those two names. But he's saying his his. His argument is that those two characters are synonymous with who I am. So, you know, he's obviously trying to protect his name uh, from being used in a way that he's not authorizing. And then, so then now, now, we're all, now they're kind of suing everyone, now they're suing Nike and everything. But anyway, the point is this. So Michael Jordan obviously um, is trying to uh, uh, protect his name because his name, um, you know, there's, there's something behind that name. Right? When I tell you, when I say, when I say the name Michael Jordan, what, what, what do you guys think of? What comes up to you in your mind? Basketball, okay. But like, act, like adjectives of who he is, and if, you, if anybody has ever seen him play. Any basketball player, fans here? No? Greatest of all time. Greatness, right? Greatness. Victory. Competitive, right? He's, he was ultra competitive. He wanted to win at all costs. You know, everyone... Although some people will argue LeBron James is better than him, I don't know. But he, people will say he is like the greatest, greatest of all time. There is a, you know, you 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 can you can symbol, you can see and picture like this idea of like a winner when you think of Michael Jordan. So obviously uh, Jordan is very concerned that his name is going to be used in a way that he doesn't want it to be used. Um, he, you know, he doesn't know what this company may end up slapping his name on. And so he's out there to protect his name, his reputation, his fame. His name obviously is, is, is important to him, right? So, there, anybody know who John Deere is? 
Yeah. Hacker guy. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, um, you've you've known those guys. You've seen people with lawnmowers. John Deere lawnmowers. John Deere tractors. You know, John Deere was a real man. Obviously, in 1830, he invented the uh, first commercialized field plow, which revolutionized farming and agriculture. And so his company has lived on even today. And now they're still making, you know, farming equipment, lawnmowers, and all that stuff. And he has this quote, he says, I will never put my name on a product that does not have the best that is in me. Right? So he's, he's always, you know, he feels that his name can only be on those that would, he would deem worthy to, to bear his name. Right? So we know that is a quote. Um, so that got me thinking, right? So then, to them, obviously, the names are important because, you know, in this world, their names are attached to money and fame. But in the Bible, we see that names there quite as important, um, important in, 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 in those times. Today, we all, we, all have, we all have names now, obviously. And many of us are named after characters in the Bible. And you guys probably know what they mean. But when we think of um, people like Samuel in the Bible, whose name means? Heard of God. Heard of God. Sorry? Heard of God. Heard of God. Heard of God, no? Samuel means what? God. God hears. Yeah. God, God hears. And why was he named Samuel? As you, when you hear it that way, it seems very obvious, right? You guys know why we named Samuel? Because Hannah, Hannah, right? We know the story, right? Hannah prayed for a, uh, a child, uh, and she said that, and, and, he, and she, her prayer was that he, she would dedicate this child to the Lord if the Lord would, would open her womb. And so Samuel came. He named. Um, so she named him Samuel. God hears, or heard by God, right? And we see that name. Um, the meaning of that name shows that there, it, it represents an, ex, uh, an experience that this mother Hannah had an experience with God. Uh, it revealed a testimony, a Hannah's testimony, um, and, and therefore his son was named Samuel. But we also know that. If we look at Samuel's life and, who he, and, and the, type, the type of person he became, he was the last judge, a prophet. He is essentially the mediator between God and the people at that time. And you see it prophetically as one who spoke with God and communion with God, and God heard. Right? We, were, we, we, we remember how God, at, at his time, God heard the people groaning for a king. Right? In, in, in that way, we see even his name Samuel in a, in a prophetic way, showing the type of person Daniel would become. Now we also, uh, you also remember Jacob. What was what does Jacob's name mean? Means um, I named my son that, so you know. Grab a grabber. Now he was named grabber because why? Right, he came out of the womb, hold, grabbing onto his brother Esau's ankle. So there, you, you are very clear what was happening there. But we also know, if you read his life, um, uh, and, and you read in Genesis, in Genesis, how he was a man that was constantly grabbing for the things of God. Of course, he was doing a lot of that out of his own you know, flesh and his own will, but he saw something of God that he wanted, and he, and he kept continuing to grab onto it. So we see the importance of the idea of name, and, 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 we, and when you study the Bible, you know God reveals himself through a revelation of his name to many of those people that, uh, many, 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 many um, saints in the Bible, right? And so, that leads us to the question, we have to ask, why would God choose, well, what, what, what is the importance of when God says, 
I will choose that to put my name there, that my name will dwell there. So we read this um, verse in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 11, and we know that he did have a place in mind, which was Jerusalem. Specifically, he had a place here. Many, many Bible scholars believe that to be Mount Moriah, as the place where that he would desire his house to be built. And that is, 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 and that is referenced many times in the Bible as the place God would choose to have his, that he would put his name there. So, um, we're going to, if we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, um, well, just to give you a, a set, the, set, the, set the story, this is Solomon now, right? We know Solomon was the one who ended up building the house. So, for, for all those generations, after God had, after God had, 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 had told Moses and the people of Israel that this is what I wanted, for many generations, the, um, there was no house built. There was still the tabernacle. The ark was going back to, to many different places. But here, finally, David saw, saw something of God's heart. He saw something that God wanted, um, of, a, of a house to be built. Eventually, he told, God told him, of course, it was the son that would build the house. And so... Um, so Solomon had this prayer as they were dedicating the house, um, it, uh, the temple. As in, in the dedication of the temple, Solomon had this prayer. But will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built? Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry and to the prayer which your servant prayed before you, that your eye may be open toward this house day and night, toward the place of which you have said that you would put your name there. Um, and then we see the response from God. This, this, um, this is from 1 Kings chapter 9, but it's corresponding to what uh, we read in 2 Chronicles as well. The Lord said to Solomon, he met him there, I have heard your prayer and your supplication which you have made before it, and I have consecrated this house which you have built by putting my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So, we see here something of importance. Why would God choose? Um, uh, uh, God would choose a place that He said, I, "My name will dwell there perpetually, forever." You see the name, His name, you know, or, or a name as we mentioned, the importance of a name. There's there there is something, uh, a reality behind that name that speaks more of a character, of a nature, of of what is what is the testimony of God revealed in his name. And so when God says he wants to put his name somewhere, it's more than just slapping his name on with a brand. Right? We know we we, we, we can a lot of people nowadays um, you know just give money, donate money and have their name brandished all over in, in everywhere, like in like hospital buildings and colleges. You know, rich people will brand their names there, and then you know people will know that as the name. But they're, and then they pay money for it. But here, it speaks more. It, it, it is, God is not just looking for a place where He can put His name and etch His name there. He's looking for a place that He that can represent Him, that can reveal who He is, that can testify of Him and His character. And we know, as our brothers have shared this past this weekend that the Lord is looking for vessels that can be filled with himself and that can express his very life. And so, um, uh, so, this is, so we see a picture of what was happening at the time of Solomon was 
dedicating the temple uh, when the temple was built. That um, he, um, that that the, the glory of the Lord would come down and fill the house. Here um, we see the same thing happened in Exodus chapter forty when the tabernacle was built um, and the, Moses gathered the people um, uh, to, to the uh, 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 tabernacle. It says that the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And it was uh, so much so that the Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And and we read the same thing that happened in Second Chronicles. Same thing uh, when the Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest cannot enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. This, this filling, this glory of the Lord coming down, filling. Um, now, scholars will, will, will use the term, a Hebrew word like a Hebrew word called describing it as the Shekinah glory of the Lord. Um, anybody know what the she- Shekinah means? Heavy. Heavy? Actually, a, 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 a combination of a couple of several words, um, but essentially, I think it, 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 the implication is uh, a coming down, but more of a dwelling presence. It is a heavy presence that rests there, right? It is not just it, it, it maybe described itself, but there is a there is a description of a of a dwelling presence of, of, of the Lord. So when we talk about the glory of the Lord. Like coming and filling the house, it is his very dwelling presence that that is spoken of in the Bible, and we see that what the Lord is after. Not just that his name, like his, his name will be, be will certainly be there, but when he speaks of that place to uh, as an expression of who he is, it is because his very presence will be dwelling with man. His very presence and his very desire was that he wanted to commune and meet with man. So. This is a picture uh, illustration of what an artist illustration of the Holy of Holies, possibly coming, where and 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 the high priest coming in uh, and meeting with God uh, at the mercy seat, where where he would, where, where God's presence would be. It represents, and we know the Ark of the Covenant represents uh, the Lord's presence and testimony, um, right there to, to, and, 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 as a testimony that His desire is to dwell with. Show what is actually happening even today. So this is you know, 
Jerusalem. So yeah, so that's the Western Wall. What remains? What remains of um, the remains of uh, what was used to be the Temple uh, before it was destroyed in 780? Weeping, Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. We know that as the place where uh, the uh, the, Jew, uh, the Jewish people would go and pray. Um, many of them crying. That's why they were called the, the, the Weeping Wall. Um, and um, this would, you know, so this would be that place. Here would be that, that's the place that they were going crazy. Um, and this is, uh, so actually, I have a group finish here. Oh, what was I thinking? Well, not most of Some of you. Okay, that's good. So, has anybody gone up here and go all the way up to the top? Okay. <laughs> no? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Well, you know, this is the ramp that goes to the top. And at the top, where the, where the, the temple mount, that's where the temple um, used to be. Over there, right now, that 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 little uh, that building over here. You guys know what that building is? The Dome of the Rock, right? So that was uh, built by Muslims uh, um, in, in that spot, and in that whole area itself, which actually is for for to the Muslims, though they also believe it to be a very uh, the religious site as well. That whole spot is controlled by uh, by Muslims, right? So uh, the, you know, actually. Tourists, us, we can go up here and, and go up there and, and walk around and see the place. Um, but the, the Jews, they, they don't go up there. And even and um, though I'm pretty sure that they're, I'm sure they're not happy that that that, that spot is being controlled by uh, you know Muslims. Um, they're actually probably okay with not going up there. And that, why is that? They believe that the temple will be restored. Sure. Yeah. They, well, they're certainly praying and, and praying to God that they will that God will restore that temple, right? But why would um, they probably like if, if you ask both of them, they would not want to go up there because that doesn't represent the God they believe in. True. I mean, yeah. Well, that 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 uh, mosque, that mosque certainly they're not happy about that mosque, I'm sure. But what? But what do you guys think is the reason? Like, what else? Any other any other thoughts? God's glory is not there. What's that? God's glory. Well, it's still too holy. That's actually a, a part of it. Uh, if you talk, what, what, if you ask many of them, many of them will say they will probably not go there because they are afraid that they may accidentally step on the spot where they think the holy holy is weak. And because, you know, you're not sure, right? You're not, so you're going to go there. So they, you know, to, 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 actually, to them, that whole, the idea of being in the holy holy is no, there's like no way, right? So, um, if you ever if you gone there, there's all, they've also done excavations that have dug further deeper into revealing more of the Western Wall. And there's a spot somewhere in the middle, close to the um, uh, close to Summer Warren Gate. And you guys can go, you can go there. A tour guide will take you there. And what you'll see is there's a little like spot uh, where the wall, which uh, exposed part of the wall. And point, like probably twenty, like the twenty four seven, there there would be like Jewish women praying to this very spot. And that is because why, what what is the importance of the cross? Is because based on the location, they think that well that should be holy. the most closest place to the holy of holies at, at that spot of the wall that they can reach. Of course. So to them, that's a, that's like a very holy spot. And I tell you, because I went there. And I, as I was walking through there, 
you know, as part of this, like, you know, a, a part of a tour guide, uh, a, a part of a tour, uh, the guy was leading up there, and as I was walking there, I could feel like these women probably are not happy that we're walking through that area. And so, as, on the way back, you know, I stopped, we were stopping by looking at the magnificent, beautiful walls, and one brother that was standing next to me, he said, he, he basically said, um, wow, isn't this amazing? And we're like, yeah, this is pretty amazing. Little did we know there was, there was, um, Probably someone your age, an Israeli girl walking behind us, and she stopped us and she said, "No, this is kadosh, this is holy." And well, first of all, we were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I, I, we didn't mean any offense by what we said, but you know, she was, you know, very indignant at the fact that we would use such simple terms, I guess, maybe, to describe what we were seeing. And then, you know, I make a mistake. I say, I make a mistake by saying, yes, I, you know, we, we know what the dosh means. It means set apart. She thought I, she, she thought I said a park. And so she said, no, this is not a park. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was very angry. Uh, I, you know, my brother and I, we probably, this brother and I probably could have did better to explain our situation, but our tour, uh, the rest of our group was like far, we were like leaving, we were like, they're leaving us, so we had to run and catch up. Um, but that was uh, that was the experience that we had there because that's that's the way they treated this place, this wall. And 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 as I thought more of it, I saw the you know I understood where where was Yeshua coming from. But to me, it was a kind of a, a sad picture because though the temple was no longer there physically, it was still to them a veil was there that was keeping them um, in where they, at, at, at their in their position. Versus where God wanted wants us to be. So, um, thank the Lord, <laughs> because as I talked about the veil, we thank the Lord that there is one who is greater than the temple that came, and we know that Jesus, when He came, we recall, we recall we read in Matthew chapter twelve, um, Matthew chapter twelve, the story of when the disciples were going and and and, and, and uh, picking um, the grain from the the, the field. Sabbath, and of course the, 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 the Pharisees, uh, you know, was, was not happy about that, and told Jesus you should be, you should, you should uh, rebuke your disciple. And Jesus, and Jesus' reply was that there's one greater than the temple here, because he used the, the story of David uh, taking the consecrated bread from the temple. And the truth is that is the that is the wonderful um, position that we have today, because as we the wonderful verse of the Hebrews nine will point to. We know that the Lord, when our Lord Jesus came, He's the one who came and opened the way for us, so that we no longer uh, have to be those um, outside of the veil, but we now, now we can enter in to the very holy of holies and to commune with the Lord, because His blood and His sacrifice once and for all uh, has uh, has sanctified us once and for all, so that we have our position is that of one of those that could be able to go into the very holy and to be with the Lord. And that is what the, and we see that the heart of the Lord is there. Because who Jesus is, is the full embodiment of the word of God and the heart of God. In that, it, it, when he said that he wanted to dwell with man. That he wanted to put his name, his name to dwell there. And Jesus, who, be, who um, became flesh and tabernacled amongst us, who dwelt with us um, 
is, is, is uh, with, the, with the fullness of the Godhead in him, fully represented the heart of the Lord. And we see here that the Lord Jesus, um, even in his name, Emmanuel, God with us, um, was God showing man, this is, this is what I wanted for you from the very beginning. And we know our brothers have shared already, talking about, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I won't go back to Genesis, they've already done that. But we see the heart of the Lord and his, and his purpose of creating us, that we may be those that would have fellowship with, 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 with God. Fellowship um, with, with, with the Godhead. And to know Him, to be those filled by Him. That's what, that was why we were created. That we, were, we were created so that we were filled with His glory. Filled with His life. Of course, you know, we, we, you know, we, we, we chose the wrong way, but thank the Lord that He provided a way for us. A new and living, a better way, a better covenant. So, but not only do we see this, the heart of the Lord in desiring to dwell with us, but we see also as we, we read Ephesians, and I know I see what's coming here, if we read, if we just go a few, um, you know, a, a, a few chapters back in chapter 2, we see that the salvation of the Lord and what the Lord did on the cross when he opened the way for us, this better covenant for us, this new and living way, was so much more than just, you know, what, what we can see, that, that, that picture. Um, because we see, um, even Solomon saw a glimpse of that. When we read, remember we read in Second Chronicles, when we talked about, when Solomon prayed that prayer, he, he prayed, um, Remember Solomon's reading, uh, praying that he said, um, But will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain it. How much less this house which I have built. You see, even, even Solomon saw a glimpse. We talked about the vastness of God, the greatness of God. How Even heaven itself cannot contain you. How much more can this house that you have built, right, that I have built, and that, but yet the Lord chose to consecrate and say, that's where I will, my name shall be. We, I, you, can talk, you can see the parallel, how, how even there we see God desiring, even Jesus humbling himself to, to leave his Father's throne and coming and to walk with man, to dwell with man, to serve with man, that the heart of the Lord was to be with us and to dwell with, 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 with mankind. Um, We see that it goes even beyond that because we know the Lord is calling us as those in whom the whole body being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So, um, we also read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, do you know, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God? That you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. We see here um, God's desire, of course, that the Holy Spirit dwell in man, that we ourselves uh, uh, would receive the very life, be filled with his life. And therefore, not only does God's desire to dwell with us, but he's dwell with us, but in us. 
And, and so, corporately, as, 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 as his church, with Christ as the head, we are being fitted together and growing as a holy temple so that to be as a dwelling place for God. And, not, and so what does that mean, to be a dwelling place? That means that it, it ought to represent the very life and character and testimony of who God is. And, what, and that is what God is after. And so if we remember, uh, even when God said that he consecrated, I will consecrate this house, we know that the tabernacle and temple itself is nothing special. I mean, it was beautiful. Right? I'm sure people will marvel at what Solomon created. But it, in and of itself, doesn't make it holy. What made it holy was God himself who dwelt there, because God himself was holy. And therefore, what God desired is for a vessel that would be set apart for him, made useful for him, consecrated for him. And, what, and we read here that we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. We belong to him. And therefore, when we talk about consecration, it talks about, uh, one, as a vessel, we're set apart solely for his purpose and for his use alone. And I speak this as a, in a practical way. You guys, everyone here is, uh, we're, we're all working. We all work for someone or some company. But, you know, we, most, many of us have responsibilities and jobs. You know, we, this world is, is still in, in very much um, demanding much of our time and our energy and our efforts. And the question I propose, I pose to young people and even to us today and myself included, who are we giving our very best to? Who is, who is, the, who is getting the best of our time the best of our energy, the best of our effort, the best of who we are. Now, we, you may say, um, well, I don't really have much to offer. And, the Lord, and, 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 that, and you think that the Lord has no use for you. But, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm here to tell you that that, you know, that is another lie of, of, of Satan, of the enemy, to distance yourself, to distance you from the Lord and what he desires for you. Each and each, no matter, no matter, um, what age you are, where you've been, we are all called into to be to be joined together in His body, and we all have a purpose that the Lord desires for us to be filled with Him and His body. And so, the question for us is, in terms of this matter of consecration, who have we have given our very best to? Does it belong to the Lord, or does it belong to something else? Does it belong to your job? Does it belong to? Um, your interest and your hobby does it belong to uh, you know even 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 things that may seem good maybe we devote all our time to our family and the best for our children and certainly we care for our children but who does our best belong to who are who have we been set apart for the Lord is looking for vessels that he can be that can be filled and we always talk about if a vessel is to be filled and we should be empty first of the things that are not so, again, this is just a, a little illustration. We were reminded of the tabernacle and the arrangements of the camps around the tabernacle in Numbers chapter 2. Um, you know, it doesn't specifically say how it was. I think some artists like to draw it this way because it's awesome. But no matter, how the, no matter which of the picture it is, what doesn't change is the fact that at the very center is the Lord himself, the tabernacle. The, the, that Christ, the te- his testimony is at the very center 
of our lives. And, and no matter what we are doing, even when we see it in the when we see it as a picture, um, if as an Israelite you're going off, you're going about your day, you know, you, do, you, you go and do your farming or your oh, not really farming, but you know, you're shepherding, you know, your basket weaving, tent making, whatever it is the case you were doing in that day, gathering manna. No matter what, where you look, you would always see at the very center of the of the, of the gathering of the, of the assembly that that, that the, the pillar of cloud and the day a day or the, or the pillar of fire by night. And we are reminded um, again back in Exodus that I was talked about if when the cloud is lifted up, that's when the Israelites knew they had to pack it up to go. Or if the when the cloud was settled down, that's where they ended up pitching their tent. And that speaks of again. Um, not a, a life that is wholly dependent on the leading of the Lord. If, if the Lord, if Christ is, is truly central in our life, that means in, in all things, no matter what we do, we are looking towards the Holy Spirit leading to say to go where He desires us to go and to do what He desires us to do, and to be led by Him, and to be um, taught, and to be and to be used by Him. And so, as, a, as if we were to be um, to say to ourselves, uh, the vessel of the Lord, have we consecrated ourselves? And I don't mean, of course, once, uh, you know, we know as in our finite human time, understanding of time, you know, in our, in our forgetfulness, you know, we, it, it, it feels like almost that it needs to be a daily thing. Right? We, we, read, we remember what it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1. Therefore I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. The Lord is looking for those willing to present themselves to Him and say, I'm set up, I, 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 Lord, I'm, I'm here to be used by you. And, and as, a, as, a, as a practical thing, you know, what has helped me, encouraged me, is to do that the very first thing that you witness. I, I think many of us struggle with that because the very first thing that I oftentimes do when I wake up is grab the phone that's next to me and check. You know, did I get a text? Did I get a message from my work or whatever um, to deal with? And many of us probably have some uh, have developed some um, routine of what we do when we wake up, uh, whether it be um, you know, a shower or whatever. But you know, even before all these things, I encourage you. Um, as the very as the very first thing to do when you wake up, present yourself to the Lord. Make yourselves available for Him. Conse- as, a, as, a, as a practical act of consecration, Lord, I am here set apart for You to be filled by You, to be used by You. That I that I will give my very best to You. That's what the Lord is after even today, as you're looking for a generation uh, of those that He can use for His purpose, for the building of His church for um, the hating of the